Well, hello, my name is Ryan Hanley, and this is Agency Nation Radio. And today I have a I, one of a guy that's really, really growing on me. Um, we probably, and I shouldn't even say that because that diminishes uh, my appreciation for the work that you do. Just, uh, I would say we haven't had a relationship for that long, maybe a year, maybe even less than that. Um, but, uh, you know, at least from my side, I mean, this is probably one way, but, uh, definitely becoming uh, a fast friend of mine. And, uh, I produced a video the other day before I, before I say his name here, although if you saw the title of the show, then you know exactly who it is. So it kind of defeats the purpose. But, um, I produced uh, an episode of the show the other day, bridging the digital divide, um, between ownership and young producers. And the crux of that show was uh, how uh, agency principals and young producers come together and, you know, have better communication and respect for each other and in a few kind of foundational principles for being for setting that relationship up for success uh, in our current marketplace. And our guest today, Nick Ayers of I-80 Insurance, um, you know, you reached out to me and you said, you know, from our standpoint, not that you disagreed with with the show, but you said from our standpoint, one of the things that we're struggling with or one of the things that we encounter is a producer who is actually looking to dive in. So, so actually, let, let, you put the, you position it to us because I think this is incredibly interesting and it kind of shows, you know, there are two sides to, to absolutely every one of these stories. So just hit me with, um, with uh, the exposition on this. Give us a little context. Sure. I, and I think before we get into there, I think it's only fitting and appropriate uh, that before we get into any of this, that we have a, maybe we observe a moment of silence. Yeah, we can. We, I, all right. We, we probably so, should. I know you're a little distraught at the moment, so I'm going to do my best to kind of uh, translate your emotions here for the audience. So we were talking and before we hit record on this, and you had mentioned that you had a, a, a tragic accident happen today. And um, I feel for you. I mean, I sympathize. I, man, I can only imagine what you're going through at the moment. It is, it is tough to lose someone so special to you. Yeah. And for those of you listening, Ryan lost his drone. <laughs> I wrecked my drone today. Let me, let me, let me put that, let me quantify that just a little bit. I think as adults, we have trouble reconciling the fact that, you know, we enjoy certain toys and gadgets. I mean, for some people, it's a phone, it's a tablet. But when you get into drone status, I mean, you're making a commitment, like a real commitment. And when it just dies on you, I mean, tell, tell how, how did it happen, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll explain it for the audience. So, yes, I, I was actually 11 minutes late. Uh, for our recording, um, because I, I just have been kind of despondent for the last hour or so. So I had a two-hour block of time, and I've been scouting this location down on the where the where the Mohawk River meets the Hudson. It breaks up into all these little tributaries, and there's all these cool bridges, and it's a beautiful day for November. It's 55, and it's nice, and it's not too windy. Um, and I had this great question from an agency owner, and I had I you know I I kind of set up the show, the episode of the show. So I had two hours. I'm gonna go record it before we. Before we got on this podcast. So I get down there, everything's perfect, and I got this great shot coming. I'm skimming seven about seven, ten feet off the top of the Hudson River. And now there's these three little consecutive bridges. 
and I hop up over the first and I pan down and I come back down on the water and then I hop up over the second and I come back down and and I had scouted all these bridges. I had I had gone and walked by them all and made sure, you know, I kind of knew what the layout of them was and everything. Well, I had missed on this old abandoned train bridge, the last bridge before this tributary of the Hudson actually hits the main body of water, um, which was going to be this awesome shot, right? You're kind of coming out of this shoot of trees over this abandoned train bridge and then bam, you know, you got this big expanse of the Hudson and Troy's right down there. Now you will have no idea. I have to reshoot it and try not to hit the wire. So the drone is three inches tall, top, you know, top to bottom. I mean, it's long and wide, but it's three inches tall in the, the cord can't be bigger than my, can't be bigger than my index finger. And I come over the top of this thing and I'm literally, this is the worst part, dude. You know, I know you're, you're a film guy. So, you know, I'm looking through the viewfinder and I'm like, this is a fucking beautiful shot. I mean, this is just beautiful. Like I'm just in my mind. I'm going, this is, I love the way this is coming out. (laughs) Wham! End over end, splash, gone. Disconnected, drone gone, sinks to the bottom. That drone is now at the bottom of the Hudson River. I do not have any of the footage. The drone is toast. It's gone. Your, Ma- your, Mavic, your Mavic is sleeping with the fishes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. And I was telling you before, like, I still have the Phantom, which is great. And I love that drone, too. But the Mavic was like, you know how with your kids, like, you love all your kids, but you have a favorite. No, favorite. Yeah, yeah, you got a favorite. I have, I have a favorite. And... Like, I love my Phantom, but the Mavic was like my baby, right? It was like, you can take it anywhere with you. It's super easy to set up. It's super easy to travel with. You just pop it open and you're droning and it's responsive. And I just loved it. I just loved everything about it. So and, should we set up like a, like a meal train or like a place to deliver flowers? Like how, how should we go uh, about Well, thankfully I sold, I sold, I did some selling this morning and uh, I'm just going to, in my head, rationalize purchasing another Mavic with the money that I sold. Black Friday sales, baby. Yeah, yeah. It. So the sale that I made this morning, we brought in a new carrier uh, this morning, which I'll, I'm not going to officially announce today until the paperwork's done, but that's fine. Um, and I'm just going to use, use the, in my mind, I'm just going to say, okay, I sold something this morning, that pays for the new drone and uh, and move on. But yeah, I mean- you know, I guess, it, you know, these are the beats that really, this is what you learn from. I'll never forget the first time I wrecked this, dr- wrecked a drone. And, uh, but it is sad. And and the worst part is as much as I love that drone, I was so happy with the footage and just the way the sun was. And, you know, it's yeah, late. Yeah, you lose the drone, but you, you lose the footage that goes with it. And you're like, man, this is insult to injury at this point. Yes. Yeah. That's the tough part is I wasn't, um, I wasn't pulling the footage live back to the back to the to the handset. I was just keeping it on the on the SD card in the drone. And um, oh, I'm just I mean, because here's the worst part. If I had the footage, then I'd have this great wreck, right? I have this great wreck footage, and at least there'd be that, right? I'd like have this memorial to my to my first Mavic. Um, and I just don't have it anymore. I don't have any of it. I just have I just have a lone, lonely remote. I'm looking at the remote right now, and it's just sitting on my desk, and it's just so lonely because the remote, the remote's buddy is the drone, and it's just the remote, and it feels the remote feels so lonely. I can tell the remote is depressed. I'm depressed. 
I think I think if you have a proper burial service tonight for the for the for the remote, I think everything will you'll you'll get some closure. That's what's really important at this point. But anyways, back to your uh, your question. I just thought we needed that uh, a special moment of observance. So thank you for that. I appreciate. it. <laughs> no worries. Uh, yeah. So to answer your question, so I saw I saw the video, and I gotta say right off the bat, I mean, uh, your uh, your episodes are, are getting better and better. They were never bad, but they're getting better and better as you do them more. So. Uh, they're really great, and uh, you you put out a uh, you you put out kind of this content piece where you're talking about agency owners who are maybe uh, been around for a while, a little bit more tenured, uh, tenured in that they've been uh, maybe an agency owner back before the digital age, uh, before this kind of new uh, industrial revolution of uh, of digital, and you had said you know you were addressing both agency owners and producers. And these producers who are a little bit more maybe uh, younger, maybe a little bit more tech savvy, and uh, maybe some of them aren't really, you know, they, they struggle with kind of that friction, as you put it, uh, in the relationship between agency owners and producers, because one is kind of thinking one way, one is thinking another, and there's just this natural rub. And uh, for us, you know, I, I love... I love our producers and the people that work for us, but uh, you know we've talked to people that we didn't hire, and the struggle that we find is that even with some younger people, uh, there's this hesitation to uh, dive deep into the digital space because uh, not not so much for fear, but uh, it's just that it's just not what they're used to, and, and usually some of those more uh, heavy marketing roles go towards the agency owner, and so the fear on the opposite side of the agency owner that uh, can be easily expressed is that uh, maybe they're a little bit more fearful to hire somebody who's really forward thinking, a little bit more progressive, not afraid to roll up their sleeves, not afraid to, you know, do a, a, a beautiful swan dive into that lake of, of, of digital. But, uh, and, and the reason that they might be a little bit more fearful is because maybe they're thinking that this person might up and leave them. That maybe these people are a little bit more entrepreneurial, you know, in their in their nature, and that they could be agency owners, and therefore they could be competition or or whatever. And so that's the other side of that coin. Um, and we we felt it, and I know, uh, you know, we're not the only ones who have felt that. Um, you're you're fearful for in, in who you hire because that person may not stay around for a long time, and maybe that they're the type of person who just wants a place to land for a little while, learn the trade, kind of cut their teeth a little bit, and maybe they are really agency owners in waiting. Uh, so that's really the vantage point uh, yeah. for, for for the response that that I was coming from. It, it's you know there, there's a, there's a different side of that coin that has to be addressed. Yeah, I agree with you. So so let me ask you this. So so when I'm thinking about hiring somebody, one of the things you know I tend to go very much by by like instinct and intuition. Um, I, obviously, I look at their LinkedIn and you know I get recommendations and that kind of stuff, some of the traditional stuff, but ultimately. I'm getting a feel for them, like, you, you know, I, I, I feel very much like one of the things that, that I, you know, one of the, one of the qualities that, that defines my ability to lead is um, I sit down with that person and I kind of let them talk and tell their stories and that kind of stuff. And what I'm really looking for is, is it the right person? Like I always tell my team, we hire people, not positions, people, not positions, the right person, we can find the right position for. But when we're trying to fill a position and stuffing people into it, you're almost always going to fail. Right. So 
being, you know, being an agency owner, being someone who does look for uh, staff members that will step out front, is there any tactical stuff that that you can give the audience? Any any questions? Any idiosyncrasies that you look for um, that that you think you could share that that you know agency producers could pick up on? I know asking them, you know, are you willing to be on camera? That's a great one. Um, is there anything else? Like, what are what are some of the triggers, um, good or bad, that that you're looking for? Um, that can that can say, you know, this is the right person, and we'll find a spot for them, or uh, or not so much. Yeah, I mean, I I think a lot of the same style that you are deploying as far as intuition and getting the feel for them is a lot of what we've done as well. Um, you know, it's the it's, I was taught a very long time ago. I mean, you, you give a man enough rope, they'll either uh, you know, they'll either do something productive with it or, they're, or, they're, or they'll hang themselves. And you know, so, so you just give people the opportunity to talk, to uh, express who they are and let their character show. I think that's really good. And one thing that I, uh, that I like to look at just in the social media stocking is, is I like to see uh, personally what they're doing. Um, and it, I think this kind of does depend on position, but kind of looking to see what they're doing um, on their social media in this regard. If, if I'm looking for, let's say, a service position, this kind of runs a little contrary to what you're talking about. I, not that I disagree with what you're talking about, but it's a little contrary just from a tactical standpoint. I'm looking for a service position, right? And I want this person to take really good care of our clients. I want this person to show that they care about other people because that's really the, the, the character trait, the foundational character trait that I need to have in a service person, somebody who cares. If I go to the Facebook page and I see nothing but selfies of them, I see nothing of things that show the opposite of them caring about other things or people. Not that that's a disqualifier, but that tells me a little bit fair or unfair, a little bit about who they are. You know, I want to see, you know, are they involved in the community? Are they involved in their church? You know, are they involved in different, uh, even, even if it's things I don't agree with, different initiatives or, or, or things politically that show that they care about something bigger than just themselves? Or something better than just the Instagram filter that they're applying to their selfie or the angle of their shot. Um, those things are very small telling signs to me when it comes to that. Um, one of our last hires that we made, you know, she was very active on Facebook Live and was very active with uh, d- domestic abuse, uh, you know, kind of um, help for or people who were suffering from d- domestic abuse. And, uh, you know, that showed me a lot. It showed, number one, that she was uh, adapt to using technology like Facebook Live. She wasn't fearful of it. Um, and then it also showed that she cared about purposes and things that were beyond just her and her own needs. And to me, from a, from a character standpoint, I don't think there's a right way or wrong way to do it. But from a character standpoint, what I look for for our team, what we look for for our team is, is people just like that who fit that role. We can train them on insurance. We can train them how to, uh, you know, do that. But if, if they don't have the foundational principle of I care about other people, well, that's just not going to work, right? So, um, you know, we, we look for some of those things. As far as other questions, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, you, you got to be really careful. I mean, you know this as well, but for the sake of the audience, uh, you know, what questions you ask from states, you know, from, a, from just specific to what you can and cannot ask in your state. Uh, but the more that people talk, the more I found out, I, the more I find out about them. Yeah. How important is insurance knowledge? Um, not really that important to start off with. I mean, it, it becomes important. Don't get me wrong, but in the same, you know, the same kind of model that you're talking about, people, not positions, it, it fits right there. I, if 
if we hire somebody from, um, you know, who sells carpet, they've never worked in insurance in their life, but they know how to go through the process. That's attractive to me. Um, we've hired people who came from an insurance background and they didn't work out. So um, it's not, it's not a qualifier and it's not a disqualifier. Yeah. I, I, you know, I hear all the time. It's so hard to find, you know, people for this industry. I don't know that I would hire too many people in this industry. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, and I don't mean that I know I, everyone listening to this works in the industry, but if I'm, if I'm working in my local town, right. If I'm, if I'm here in Albany and I'm looking for someone to come work for my, for my agency, I mean, there's maybe a handful of people that could come over and really, really hit it. But, you know, I think it's more a mindset, right? This, you can, you can learn the insurance piece, but for me, it's, it's the things you said, are they self-motivating, right? I, I, you know, you, you work with, with salespeople all the time. And, um, you know, I talked to a lot of salespeople. I was in sales and there is a moment, there's a moment in every sales professional's career where you you either start solving problems, both your own problems and the problems of your customers, or you sit back and you hope someone solves them for you. And once you kind of walk down one of those paths, it's really hard to go back the other way. And one of those paths leads to success and the other leads to utter failure. And um, so, so, so when you think about that and you look at, if someone could succeed as a, as a mattress salesman, or, or uh, a woman who sells cars or what have you, if you can succeed in any other industry as a, as a problem solver, you know, it's, it's these types of characteristics. It's, are you looking at the problem? You know, one of the things that I, I tend to look for is how do they address um, problems, right? And what I'm looking for is did they come at it? And, and again, I, these are my words when I'm talking to someone. So if they don't make sense, uh, you know, either push back or I'll, I'll try to elaborate. But I'm looking for people who attack problems sideways, right? The, the, if the solution is standard, if it's a standard solution to a problem, I can solve that problem. I don't need you. Who, who I need and when I'm looking for someone to join our, te- our team, right, which is an insurance agency, but I think a lot of these things translate. I need people who look at problems from from a different angle than I don't want someone who looks at a problem the same way I look at it because sure. then I don't need you, right? I mean, I need people who look, I need, you know, in a perfect world, I have the entire 360 degrees covered from how people look at problems. And, uh, you know, I think that's a very important thing is we try to duplicate ourselves. I don't need another Ryan Hanley, right? I don't think the world needs another one, but uh, I certainly don't. What I need is someone who looks at it from a more conservative standpoint. Or, you know, I always joke that uh, Stacy on my team, uh, we have this meter where, you know, unless she says more than we probably shouldn't do that, we're still going to do it, right? So, like, she's my, you've crossed the line meter. So, I can't see things necessarily from the same angle that she does. And she can come in and say, you know what? That seems like a crazy idea. You, you, you definitely shouldn't do that. And I know, okay, now I, I can't do it. You know, if she's going to, you know what I mean? So it's like that mentality, um, of coming at things from a different angle of not trying to duplicate yourself, but trying to be additive to your organization. Um, I think that's really hard for people because it, you're adding someone who doesn't think the exact same way that you do, but man, it's, 
it, to me, it's one of the yeah. most important things you can do yeah. when hiring. Yeah, I think there's some value in that. And but to kind of run a little counter to that, just just a little bit. Uh, you know, one of the things that, and I, I think this this statement could be echoed by a lot of agency owners, um, a lot of people who probably describe themselves as self motivated, self driven, wanting to solve a problem. You know, that's why they're that's why they went into business, right? Because they have that drive. I think a, a, a common phrase that could be used amongst a lot of them, and so many different variations, is, "Man, I wish I could just duplicate myself in my team." Like self-driven, self-motivated. Uh, and, you know, when it comes to, say, your sales team, as an example, you know, I wish I could, uh, this is speaking on behalf of not just my one voice, but but many others who would say, man, I wish I could uh, just clone myself and put those people on my sales people because I know how to go network. I know how to really care about what's going on, right? And so I think a lot of people are scared. And this was kind of getting back to the video. A lot of people are scared that, well, if I hire that person, that person's going to want to leave. And so, you know, the idea that I've had, and this is really in its infancy stage, um, and there's a lot that needs to be fleshed out. But I had the thought of, well, why don't we just go after people that want to be agency owners? And, and think about in this regard, um, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big college sports fan. And one of the things that I like and don't like about the way certain schools recruit, let's take the University of Alabama in football. Uh, being good for a lot of years, they sent a lot of players to the pros. You know, they'll, they'll sit in the kid's living room and they'll say, hey, you know, John Doe, you know, you might be third or fourth string on our team for two years, right? But you're going to, if you want to go to the league, this is where you need to be. You need to come to our school. Whereas they could be, you know, a big fish in a small pond somewhere else and they can start immediately. And those kids flock to a school like Alabama because they know that if they go there, they're going to, they're going to be made pro ready. So what if that same approach was taken amongst agency owners? So I actually do don't think that that's very, I don't think, I think what we're saying is, is basically the same thing. Cause I'm with you on that. Um, when I say I want people to come from different directions, I'm really thinking about the way they attack problems. But, but I think what you're talking about is drive and, and desire to, to push forward. And, and really, I think you can have multiple alphas in an organization um, you just, I think you hit it on the nose as a, as a leader, you have to be comfortable with the idea that eventually that person will most likely leave you and, and not because they don't like working with you, but because they're going to want to eventually spread their wings. And I think there's cases where you can build them into the organization and whatever, give them equity. And then the organization just becomes bigger and better. But, but ultimately I think to hire them in your mind, you have to say, Five years from now, this person could leave me, and I have to be okay with that. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get an amazing, amazing team member for five years. And if they go off and start their own thing, that doesn't mean that you know there isn't more opportunity in the pool. And actually, um, the episode of the show that I just released today, the day that we recorded this, uh, uh, November 21st, actually my son's fourth birthday, um, is about scarcity and abundance. And what I heard you say in that answer was. You have to hire with an abundance mindset, with a mindset that, oh, yeah. that I'm going to get from this person. I, I would rather have their max effort for a finite period of time than try to hire somebody who's going to just be my servant to a certain extent for infinity. Yeah, I mean, and I think that 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 goes into anything that you're going through. I mean, you have to have that kind of mindset. I mean. 
it all really depends on the the approach that you are, are you take with your team. I mean, if if you set it up to where words like ours, where everything's you know we want to emphasize that team concept, then you know if one player you know graduates and goes somewhere else, then I don't care. You know, ideally, I think you know in you know a lot of people listen to this and they'll they'll think certain thoughts. I mean, ideally, I think we would say this would be part of our expansion program for our agency. Like we want to open an office here, you go run it. And almost, almost like a franchisee type thing. Again, a lot, a lot that would need to be worked through. And I don't know if it's the answer or not, but it's definitely something that over the next few weeks and months, I'm going to uh, devote a lot of intentional thought towards. But like I, I want, I want those people on my team because those people get it. They, they understand, you know, and, you know, I think about when I was, Coming up, you know, I've been in the industry now for 13 years, and I would have jumped at that opportunity. You mean you're going to pay me to learn how to run a business? Great, you know, give me a head start on this, um, as opposed to just falling, you know, wherever. Like I'll recruit nationally, you know. That, that's I, when I think about these things, I think bigger. Like why, why limit myself? There is so much of an abundance out there. I can pull from anywhere if I want to to get the right person, um, the person who's serious and and, and dedicated to it. So. I think that there, are, I think there are things that that owners need to do to uh, want to attract those people without being scared that those people are going to, like use you know use the term alpha, which is one of my favorite terms by the way, but they you know that they're not going to want to be the alpha, or that they're going to just up and leave them. Like you, you're right, you have to be comfortable with that. And I think once you get comfortable with that, then and you're secure in in what's going on, then you know you're 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 willing to take those different leaps, whether it's marketing, hiring, just day to day running things. Like you have to. You have to learn to let go a little bit uh, of some of those those fears and preconceived ideas. And I want to be respectful of your time. This has been a calamity of a podcast and from a technical standpoint. Um, but uh, so I apologize for that, man. But the last thing that I'm going to leave the audience with is I think as a leader of an organization, you have to always be recruiting, always, even when you don't have an open position. Always be recruiting, always be looking for. I mean, I literally have a Google Doc of names of people in this industry that if they ever were open, if they ever, if I ever really saw the true, you know, the right opportunity in our organization or whatever, I literally always have a list of people that I either want to collaborate with, uh, hire, you know, do a partnership with someday. Like I'm always recruiting, always. And yeah, you have to you have to reload. Yeah, because you just never know. And and sometimes someone comes across your desk, you know, that they you know, their work, their their op- their life change, their work situation changes, and maybe it's not the perfect time for you and your organization, but man, if you're hiring the right people and not just hiring a position, you find a spot for that person because they're going to the right person is going to add 10x to your business. Yeah. And um you know, it's just, but again, I, I say that, um, you know, I've hired four people in the last year. Uh, it's, you know, it, it, it's nerve wracking as hell when you send out a, a job offer, there's no doubt. But uh, like I said, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you have another commitment, dude. I appreciate you coming on here. I love that this kind of spurred out of another conversation that we were having in social. And, uh, I hope the audience took away some, some good feedback. If you're listening to this, I'm going to have, um, uh, how to connect with Nick. If you aren't already aware of him, definitely connect with him. Uh, check out his great event. Nick, t- tell everyone a little bit about uh, IAOA. Uh, is it sold out yet? Are there still tickets left? I know it's coming up here in the next month. 
Yeah, so ticket sale, uh, IAOA is it's an association purely for independent agency owners, uh, whether it's 1% or 100%, uh, you know, there's a place for you there. And ticket sales stop uh, for Innovation 18. At the end of November, we will stop selling tickets, going to have time to get that merch and everything done and everything ordered. So uh, we do have some space available. Um, it's at the JW Marriott in beautiful, sunny Phoenix, Arizona, January 25th, 26th, and 27th. I know uh, Ryan and the crew will be there as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's our fourth annual event. Uh, we expect, you know, somewhere north of 500 agency owners to be in attendance and uh, just really looking forward to having a great uh, two and a half days. So go to IOA, get your palate wet, get a good base, and then... <laughs> Get your get all jacked up and come to elevate, and you'll will literally have the best 2018 of your entire. You're well, right. Yeah, early 2018, the best year of your in conferencing year of your insurance career. It'll so give you just have, enough gas to where you're running on fumes, so that when you uh, when you hit elevate, you're ready to, to end the year on on a bang. So yes. yeah, iaoalliance.com/slash/innovation18. Awesome. And Nick is also a speaker at Elevate, and we will be at IAOA. I'm very excited to be at that event. I'm excited to have Nick back at uh elevate for another year and um and it's just these type of collaborations that get me a very very excited so uh we're gonna get out of here thanks again brother we're gonna get out Bye, man.